Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. And happy Friday, everybody. You all are in for a treat today. I'm so excited about today's guest. Amani Ellis, who is the CEO and founder of CultureCon and the Creative Collective. And if you didn't see, they just announced, they as in CultureCon just announced their dates for CultureCon 2023 for LA and New York. I will be at the New York one. So if you're in New York, look for me to see you there in the fall. And if you're in LA, you do not want to miss it. It's so much fun. But Amani is so cool. So just great energy and we had so much fun in this episode so if you like entertainment if you like just having fun if you just want to hang out and kick off something for your weekend this is the episode for you because Amani is amazing so let's get into today's episode Amani welcome to the show how are you hi Colin I'm good I'm I'm happy it is well with my soul Come on, come on, PK Talk. Let's talk about it. Pass the collection, please. Wow. <laughs> this is our early today. I just I like, knew it. <laughs> we're just, I was like, if we start early, we start early, early. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm dead. Um, but before we get into it, I always like to start with the question of what the term young influentials means to you. Yeah, I think to me, young influentials means, you know, being aligned with like that inner voice and just staying true to whatever your North Star is. From there, everything else will follow. Come on, a perfect American answer. Like, let's wrap it up. We're done. She said it in two seconds or less. <laughs> I, mean, I can be pretty long-winded, but you know what? I'm working lately on saying what I want to say and not just like talking to hear myself speak. And so it's like a little exercise. And I was like, let me, this is the perfect opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, me, I'm like, back in 1962, <laughs> the word period came about. <laughs> now. <laughs> I'm like, y'all pull out your Bibles real <laughs> quick. Right. And the footnotes. Oh, literally. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But before we get into all the cool stuff that you're up to and that you do, take us back to childhood, Imani. Um, were there any media um, influencers or actors or shows and stuff that really inspired you that first made you feel seen and where you first saw yourself? Totally. I was such a Disney girl. And I think, you know, when it came to the movies at the time, I really didn't see myself in a lot of, you know, those 
films in terms of like The Little Mermaid or Beauty and the Beast. So I love all these remakes that are coming. I just, my inner child is just like dying that Chloe is going to be The Little Mermaid. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, like it's just everything. But I did see myself in the Disney Channel. So in That's So Raven and Sister, Sister, um, the famous Jet Jackson. Uh, yes. Um, I loved all of those shows. And I think at the time I didn't realize it was representation, right? It just felt like, wow, someone who looks like me is doing incredible things. And yeah, Disney Channel was my jam. Listen, Jet, famous Jet Jackson. I used to watch that, yo, every day, every night. I still watch Raven like on a weekly basis, like on Disney Plus. So, and Proud Family, like I still watch that. Like Proud Family, that's like, right. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, please don't start singing because I will start singing with. I you. was about to. I was you. I literally was about to be like family every single day, night. <laughs> even when you start. Oh my gosh, I love uh, you so much. Like, that was when theme songs were on people's necks. Like, mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. good theme song. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was like your ringer, your ringtone was like the Disney song. And then you bought the ringtone, but you never used it. So and, much chaos. Yeah, just the waste of money. Wasting that 99 cents. Like, <laughs> but fast forward to, like, school and stuff. Um, to kind of keep that interest and kind of learn more about media, did you study it in school or like do internships? Like how did you kind of start to become more knowledgeable in this space? Yeah. I mean, I did, I did ballet for 14 years and that was like my North star. I wanted to be a ballerina, but when I was in, I think sixth grade, my mom took me to New York and Colin, like it changed my world. It made my world so much bigger because I had never seen so many people and so much opportunity. And I was like, Oh, I'm living here. I'm working here. And so fast forward, I went to Vanderbilt, graduated, um, but I studied media. And in the summer, I was doing these internships in New York City. So I was interning at Nickelodeon. And one time um, I got an internship at CAA, but it didn't start until like July 1st. And so from June to July, I had no internship. And I was like, but I'm already in New York. So Mm -hmm. I went on Twitter and I found the head of A&R at Universal Music Group and I tweeted him and I was like, can I come intern for you for free? And he responded and he gave me an internship. And so that was the kind of like grit that I was, I think, moving towards. Um, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do in media, but I knew I wanted to be like where the people were. Mm -hmm. And so I think every kind of internship I got I either was like, this is the right direction, or I actually don't want to work, you know, in this part of the the business until I landed at NBC Universal. So it was a bunch of like trials until I think I got into the page program and then started at NBC. And I feel like you brought up a good point too. Like you said, I just tweeted at him. I feel like now this is the time of year everybody's looking for internships and things that people are like, oh, like I don't want to send like a blind email or a tweet or a DM because they're not going to respond. And I always tell people, I'm like, you'd be so surprised of who responds. Like to this day, I'll be like, Hey, I love your guys's uh, dairy free milk. I'd love to work on a partnership or do something. And nine times out of 10, somebody responds. And so I always tell people, I'm like, don't be like writing yourself off by not sending that DM, that email, that text. Like you'll be surprised like you, like you sent that tweet and like they responded. So I always tell people don't, feel like 
nobody's going to listen to me. Like, send that tweet that you have nothing to lose. So just send it. <laughs> and that was exactly, I was like, what do I have to lose? And I have everything to gain. So. Exactly. I'm like, don't, I always tell people, I'm like, don't feel like if you have a dream job or see somebody who's doing something you want to do, reach out on LinkedIn or whatever. Be like, hey, can you be my mentor? Hey, can I have a, just like a 10 minute call? Can I, whatever, whatever. People are more likely to help you than say like, or leave you on red or just like not help you at all. Totally. I, I completely agree. And I think, you know, you want to have some sort of like specific direction, even if it's not the direction for your whole life. Because I think it can be difficult when people are like, be my mentor. And you're like, okay, great. What are you interested in? And they're like, I don't know. So some of that work does have to be, I think, inside so that someone knows how to help you. But I completely agree. Like, what do you have to lose? Like, mm-hmm. just go for it. Exactly. And I feel like that we were talking about niches and stuff earlier and you're doing so many cool things where I just feel like you like you're like you're like the living proof of like if you don't see somebody who's doing what you want to do, like make it your own. And fast forward to today, can you kind of give us a recap or a description of like what you're up to? I know there's Culture Con, there's Creative Collective, there's so many things. Can you kind of give us a short summary of how those things kind of came to be? For sure. I mean, Creative Collective really was kind of a mistake. I started it as a very informal kind of like potluck where my friends could come over and we could network in a way that didn't feel so transactional. So it was the only prompt was, what are you working on? And some people were working on getting over their ex in a messy breakup. And some people were working on how to get the courage to ask for a promotion. And that was how the Creative Collective was born. I made tacos for everyone. And the only rule was that you had to bring someone that you could vouch for because it was my apartment, Colin. Yeah. Are you like, yeah, have just random people walking yeah. in and out? <laughs> no, you know, and so that was our origin story. We kept growing. And then one day, you know, after I think it had been maybe six months, and I said, we should throw a conference. Like, we should really create all these experiences that we've done, you know, 60 people, 100 people. And we should make a conference. So the first conference was in 2018. Spike Lee was our keynote speaker. And um, it's been amazing just to grow over the years. Now we're, you know, taking the conference on tour. So we've been in Atlanta and LA and New York. And our community's grown, you know, over 75,000 people, which has just been, I think, a testament of what happens when like people feel they feel seen. They they want to show up to places like that. And I feel like what's really cool, what some people might by hearing that be like, okay, she's saying 75,000 now, but like getting something like that started, how do I, where do I even begin? Like, did you guys send a lot of emails and stuff for people to help you? Or like kind of how did you get the first one like off the ground since it's not always easy like that? <laughs> for sure. I think you have to start, you know, and it, it's so kind of cliche, but you do have to start with your why, because that's, I think, how you get traction. And so for for me, it was, we, we have safe spaces. Yes, that's important. But like, what about brave spaces? Like, you know, and I, I think for me, I was feeling a little suffocated at the time, because even though I was a publicist, it's like that became my entire identity. So when I would go to events, I'd be like, where do you work? what do you do? Where do you work? What do you do? And it just felt like I'm so much more than like this one title. So that was my why was creating a space where you were more than just one thing. And I think other people could resonate with it. So for anyone who's looking to build, you know, their own community or find people who 
you know, want to gravitate towards a notion, I think it's starting with like, why? Like, what is this for? Who is this for? Um, Because then you'll know where to go. And then the second piece is just to be consistent because I think I had a little bit of like a sprinkle of delusion. If I'm being honest, in the beginning, I just was like, people are going to come. And I just kept consistently doing it, even if like two people came. Um, Because I think over time, consistency really is kind of like what takes you home. And that's so true, because I feel like a lot of times people are like, oh, I want to do this wellness and whatever retreat for a woman of color in the medical space. And then they'll, like you said, like maybe like two or three people show up and they're like, oh, well, I guess that's it. And it's like, if you were only doing it for numbers or for revenue, you're in it for the wrong reason. So you're like, you have to be, like you said, like, know that like people are going to come and this is what I truly believe. And I like want to create this thing. And so you can't just be discouraged by the first event because the first whatever's always not going to be as strong as the 10th or the 15th because you learn so much. So you have to know kind of why you're doing it and the purpose of it instead of just being like, oh, I want to collect checks and they'll get money and all these sponsors. And it's like, that's not going to, that's not enough momentum to keep you going throughout the years and live and be sustainable. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people are surprised when they're like, wait, this didn't start off as a business. But I think to your point, it, it it's a community, right? And I think we were like, oh, wow, it's getting traction. But I didn't sit down and like write down a business plan because I wasn't looking to build a business. I was looking to build a community. Uh, I think that's been kind of the the big differentiator of like just how you feel, you know, at our events. And I, and I feel like that's so key too. It's like, whenever you're coming with these events, you're like, okay, well, what makes this different? Because if you're just being like, oh, I want to just throw a, med- a tech conference or whatever conference, like, okay. Like if for people who aren't in the community or aren't aware of it, it's be like, okay, well, why, how is this different? Like, why really should I be there? Why should I invest in it? Why should I spend my time there? So you really have to craft it. And I think a lot of times we overthink that whole aspect of it. We're just like, oh, I'll just, you know, just put on this, like everybody will come, but it's like, okay, but why? Like we've, like we said, right. earlier, like, why, why should I be there? Like what's, why, how's this different from what so-and-so is doing in Vegas or what so-and-so is doing in Boston or whatever? Right. Like, what makes you stand out? Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, as you guys were growing and skinning, like what, I feel like a lot of times like people will pick like the typical big cities, like New York, LA, whatever. But like, was there any strategy that you guys decided to put, um, create the conference in like LA and um, New York? Like, was there a, an ideology behind it or kind of just absolutely yeah I'm such a I'm such a data girl like I'm such a what are the number you know the numbers don't lie and so New York happened because I was based in New York and as I look back I'm like what a blessing that I you know we did this in like probably the most competitive hardest city to build a conference um but um when we were looking to expand to Atlanta and LA, we just looked at the metrics. And so that's the best part about a community is it's a living, breathing conversation. And so when we're figuring out even the programming or the talent or the activations at CultureCon, we just ask our community what they want. And when we ask them where we should take CultureCon next, LA and Atlanta were the loudest. And we looked at the numbers and our biggest communities outside of New York we're in LA and Atlanta. So it just felt so natural. It didn't feel like a surprise because when we got there and sold out in those cities, we were like, right. Cause this is where the, this is where our people are. Cause I feel like a lot of times people are like, Oh, like, and like you said, like it's a competitive city. People are like, Oh, LA, New York. And they're not really thinking about like, does that make more sense? Is that where our audience is? Will people right. come out there? Is it logistically, uh, 
people able to like travel there? Is it affordable? All that stuff. So it's like you said, <clears throat> you need to go by the numbers. Yes, absolutely. And it, and it makes it less of a, less of a guessing game. And it's like, we're in service of our community. So I think that's one of the biggest things for me is like, you know, it's a very um, codependent relationship. We don't exist without our community. So popping up in the middle of Arkansas when they said come to LA, <laughs> it's like we didn't tell you to go there, sis. Come on back. <laughs> and um, I want to go back to your point about programming. I feel like whenever you're planning these events, you're doing it so far in advance. So I know, like, you're a lot of times you're listening to the what the community is saying of like types of talks and stuff, but. Is there like a formula that you do to figure out like, okay, these are the topics that are still going to be relevant three months, six months, a year from now? Like, how do you guys kind of decide on the types of talks and people to get to speak that are still going to be relevant? Like, Yeah, far I mean, that's one of my favorite kind of, I think, exercises is like mapping out what's relevant today and what will be relevant in three months. You know, we have a lot of brainstorming um, that happens and our team internally is just really diverse in terms of like thought, identity, how they show up. And what will happen is we throw it all at the wall and we like vote them up and we're kind of like, okay. And then the other thing is we look at the data from people who are purchasing tickets so they can identify what realms they're in, what they need help with. And then me, I'm just obsessed with like always being in touch with our community. And so I'm super accessible. And so people DM me all the time, like, here's a great topic. And I'm like, thanks, sis. Like (laughs) all of that comes together. um, And that's what creates our programming. And then um, we kind of go from there, our talent team, incredible, you know, booking some of the biggest names in, in the business. And then what we end up with is this beautiful, I think, collaborative effort where our team looked at it, you know, we were pitched certain things, but the community absolutely gets a voice in terms of like what shows up on stage. And I'm sure the same thing probably applies to like the brands and sponsors that want to partner with you all. Like as you all grow, like more and more brands are going to want to align. And I feel like there's a lot of like marketers and stuff who are planning events like this and are like, how do we decide like what best aligns and who to like work with? Like, is there, a, whenever you guys are like first taking on those meetings, like is there specific questions that you guys ask to decide like, this makes sense for you guys to have a pop-up or for us to sponsor with you at this event. Like, do you guys kind of have those like previous conversations? Yeah. I mean, we've been blessed with the fact that a lot of the partners um, already know what culture con is. So they're showing up to the party with already some understanding, which I think is always beneficial when you're just starting a conversation. And then I think from there, one of my favorite things to do is to, you know, one, lean into what the partner already does really well, and then stretch them a little bit based off of what our community wants from them. And somewhere between both of those, I think, is like dream team partnership. But I think one of the things we really take pride in is our partners are really able to show up in different ways based on what a win looks like for them. And so for one partner, you know, it might be like, we actually don't need to go far and wide. We want to go really deep and intentional. And that might be different than other partners who are like, no, we want to go far and wide. <laughs> uh, we want to be everywhere. And so, you know, we'll have those conversations and um, and just build, you know, a sponsorship that kind of reflects whatever those ROIs are. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. And I just had the thought, I'm like now thinking, I'm like, oh, like, I want, do you guys do anything to differentiate between like the one in say LA versus like the one in New York? Like, are there, what are ways that you guys kind of like get into the community where it seems like you're not an outsider, but really part of it? So I'm thinking of like, if you're in New York, you'll probably really want to tap into like the local food trucks and local whatever. But if you're in LA, you probably want to do like such and such differently. Like what are some ways yeah. that you guys kind of do it in a way where it feels like you're part of the community, not just like coming for like a, Hey guys, like we're here. <laughs> yes. Well, I think, you know, that's the exciting thing about the creative collective because culture con, right. She's the bell of the ball. She's, you know, the showstopper, but the creative collective is actually the community that gave birth to culture con and the creative collective. We're doing events all throughout the year. So, you know, we are actually doing an event in LA next week. So by the time we come for culture con in June, we're building community throughout the year. And so I think that's one of the things that's really important for us is to your point, not to just pop up once and then we never see you again. So we're building community um, in Atlanta, LA, New York right now, um, constantly with like monthly activations. And then I think it's also, you know, incorporating that local beat that you were talking about. So like, who are the local, you know, entrepreneurs and folks who we can just kind of amplify the work that they're already doing. One of my favorite parts about um, our kind of strategy this year is the theme is you can do both. And so that means a lot of things, but in LA, we're focused on building community in New York, it's really about kind of setting fire to whatever your like dreams are, whether that's in a corporate space, an entrepreneurial space, a both space. And so we're encouraging people to lean into soft life and hustle life and just saying you can do both. And so L.A. is going to really feel, you know, communal, like we're bringing together so many different neighborhoods, um, which gets me really excited. And then New York, for the first time, we're doing a two day conference. So the people said, Imani girl, <laughs> we need more time. Okay. You're rushing us. We need more time. And so we have a third building in New York. It's a full campus now. Um, it's going to be two days plus culture con week. And so hopefully the community feels like this is enough time to really kind of get those meaningful connections they want. Come on. No, I'm ready for that. Let's go. Yes. But I feel like that's so true. I feel like a lot of times like businesses or conferences will like pop up in a city for like that one time of year and then we don't see them for like another part of the year and it's like uh, okay so you clearly just want to use us for check a box <laughs> right like come back come back and that's what atlanta said you know atlanta was like you know 
can you build community here? And so we're launching kind of just monthly events so that over time we're building that community, you know, in Atlanta as well. And I feel like what you guys also do really well is you guys do a really good job of balancing between um, Gen Z and millennial, like kind of like reaching like the topics for both. Cause I feel like a lot of times, like everybody's like, Oh, we got to focus only on Gen Z. Cause that's the hot generation right now. Or like, Oh, well what about like the millennial parents? But then also, the millennial, like, younger ones who are, like, still trying to get started in their career. Like, is there a specific formula that you guys kind of do to balance between both when it comes to where they're programming and sponsors and stuff to kind of reach everybody in the middle? Or is it kind of just an overarching theme of this is who we are as a community? Yes, I just love how your mind works and how you notice that because it's so (laughs) intentional on our side because – I just don't think you can have a meaningful conversation and not pay homage to those who came before you. So when you talk about mentorship and mentees, I mean, if it's all just Gen Z, it's like they're looking also for mentorship and connections. Like you want someone who's like, don't be too hard on yourself, right? I was 21 once and life is going to be okay. And so for us, you know, it is for multi-generational conversations to take place. Um, and we just want to be mindful that when we say something culture con, right? Culture is just so many different points of view all coming together. And I think for us, that's what makes it special is there's not one way to be creative, there's not one way to show up in a corporate setting and there's not one age that's the sexiest age, right? Like we need to have like larger conversations. And so, yeah, I'm all about it. And like, I'm constantly learning the Gen Z, you know, folks on my team are always keeping me young and I'm like, wow, like there's so much <laughs> happening. Um, but I love that. I love that there's all different points of views, you know, pouring into our content. Because I feel like a lot of times, yeah, company stuff be like, oh, yeah, we got to market to them. But like you said, like they're looking for mentors and even millennials, everybody else is everybody's looking for someone to help them out, whether it's, hey, like I now notice that I do want to switch careers or I do want to do this or, hey, like I realized I'm lacking a skill. And that's like everybody wants to be helped. If you're just focusing on one thing, then it's like, like you said, like culture is more than one thing. So we all can't learn and help each other if we're only focused on one facet or one thing only. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's it's exciting to like, you know, we've had even folks who are, you know, in the banking and the finance space and they're like, oh, my gosh, like I really I am creative, like with the how I'm looking at numbers and how I'm projecting the stock market. I'm like, absolutely. Like it's just really kind of taking yourself out of the box that used to feel so comfortable and allowing yourself to be a part of like larger conversations. No, I, I completely agree. And that also reminds me of like, whenever you guys are like, your guys' social, I feel like also is a good example of that too, because it balances like, fun, like Gen Z funny humor and then like millennial funny humor and then stuff like, is there a specific from that you guys kind of do to kind of keep your audience community engaged? Because I feel like a lot of times, like we talked about earlier, like popping up and only doing something and then we never see you for a year. But I feel like social media also, when it's stuff like that, you got to keep your audience and community engaged like year round. You can't just be engaged like that one time a year and then like go away and then like no post for like seven months or a year right like how do you guys balance that by keeping like doing like the funny like stuff like that but also like come a heavy time for like promotion for when it when the conference comes around I mean shout out to our social and marketing team Skylar and Caitlin and I mean there's a whole 
amazing team. You know, I handed over the keys to the Instagram when she started. And, you know, I had been like posting one at a time, right? <laughs> I, I handed it over to a strategist who could really just like, just play there. And I, I do agree. They've done such a great job of keeping it fun and light, but also, you know, educational and resourceful. We do pay transparency, which posts how much people are making in their jobs so that when you go and apply for that job, you know how much to ask for. And I think for us, it's really all about just like, you know, how do we reimagine community online? It's not just one conversation. So sometimes we're talking about Meg the Stallion and how snatched her waist is. <laughs> and sometimes we're talking about, you know, you should be really advocating for your promotion. And I think that is like the ultimate goal is just creating these spaces where you're not one version of yourself. You're not talking about work all the time. We can also talk about, you know, the TV shows that you're watching. No, because that's true. Like, you guys will post like, <laughs> like, I try to th- just like so many funny, just like, uh, like people of color cultural memes and stuff. And I'm like, yo, why do we do that? But then, like you said, there'll be one about like job transparency. Like there was one, I can't remember what it was, but there was like one related to career advice where I was like, oh my goodness. Like, I didn't even think to ask or think about that where I saved and I ended up like sharing it and stuff. But like, guys, are like, are we doing this? Or, like, do you guys know about this or whatever? Where it's so well balanced and it's so true. It's like, that it's basically that whole like living testament of like bring your whole self to work where it's like you're going to talk about Meg so you're going to talk about like growing up blah 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 or and then talk about like career stuff that like you would want your coworkers or your friends and stuff to know about when it comes to a promotion or whatever I feel like it's just like so well balanced and that's really hard for a lot of businesses to do because it's like you want to be funny and entertain but you also want to educate and not people feel like they're being attacked or preached at the entire time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, finding that voice and kind of shimming between the tonality and like, it's it's such a science, which is why I had to hand it over to the scientists. And I'm <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing, you know, what we're able to do on social. And then like to wrap up for my like last question, like for brands and stuff where look, so I feel like a lot of brands and stuff, they want to partner with conferences conferences and like things that um, reach different audience and stuff like what advice do you have for them to be like hey like I do want to participate more with outreach and do stuff like that but I don't know we don't know what to do or we don't really know how to come about it like is there a particular like way that you like to be pitched when you guys like do events and brands are looking to reach out and work with you or like in terms of that yeah I think it really is you know truly leaning into partnership, and so you know of course, we want to learn the kPIs and what a win looks like, but I think we also know our community and we've built incredible trust with our community, so I think it's just you know trusting us you know to really work with you and I will say our partners really get it like and I'm always so thankful for that because. It, when you're put in positions where the partner gets it, you don't have to betray yourself. You don't ever want to betray why you started. And I think for us, it's like we were created to create these spaces, mentorship, resources for our community. Anything that feels like it's extracting from that purpose, it's not going to really work. And so I think as you know, partners are looking to work with different community or conferences or events, it's leaning into those communities and allowing them to say, hey, this is kind of how we like things. Um, And if it aligns, you know, move forward. 
Like, like you said, the girls that get it, get it. And the girls that don't, don't. <laughs> There's nothing else to do. Right. It might not be for everyone and that's okay, but we're for the ones who get it. And I think our partners get it. And for that, I'm, I'm so thankful. Because that is so true. Because the ones that try to like force, like showing up and being in spaces, it's like, okay, you guys are here clearly to check a box. Like you actually don't live out and breathe these values and stuff that you have on your little board behind you here. <laughs> Not on course. the little board. On the little board. They're like, <laughs> where, they, <laughs> where they have like the three people of color on the back. That's like, we love, we love working with them. Gosh, no, <laughs> that's not going to work. You got to be who you say you are. I love that. I love it when that happens. <laughs> and like for my last fun one, like if you could pick any celebrity to interview that you would love to have at CultureCon, like who, who would you want to have like pop up at, at either locations? Ooh, my forever president, President Barack Obama. Talk about it. Um, definitely o- Miss Mrs. Oprah Winfrey and um, Wendy Williams. Oh, that would be, oh, Wendy would be good. She yeah. has a lot to talk about. She has a lot. <laughs> she has a lot to talk about. And I have a lot of time. So. <laughs> do you have like a dream musician that you would want to like do a closeout or opening night party? Hmm. Probably Drake. Like, I'd love to talk about his, like, brand evolution over the years, like, marketing genius. Um, And, oh, my gosh, music. Yeah. I would say Drake or um, Donald Glover. Huge fan. Frank Ocean. Huge fan. Yeah. That would be good. When you said that, I, like... Saw SZA performing at CultureCon LA, and I'm just like, ooh, if that SZA would be good for CultureCon Ooh, SZA! Oh, uh, like, that would be so good. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, I love SZA. Or, like, have Rihanna, where she, like, ends the night, and she's like, oh, by the way, album just dropped, and the album dropped from the sky. And she's, like, doing um, her makeup. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, they have a little booth in the corner. Right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, I love that. But, Amani, thank you so much. This was so good. It was so, so good. I'm so glad we got to just chop it up. Wow. How great was this episode? If you were like me, you probably took a lot of notes and have a lot of questions and comments. So if you do, feel free to add us at Adweek across Twitter, Instagram, all the social medias. And we'd love to hear from you all. And feel free to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That always helps us. And we can't wait to hear from you all and see you in the next episode. So bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Young Influentials, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Aarons, and edited by Lane McGibney at Bountwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. 